Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are edging higher today, setting aside a downbeat session on Wall Street overnight. Seoul is leading the way. The Kospi is up half a percent. Tokyo and Sydney both trading up around 0.2%. I'm Michelle Martin and joining me as we break down all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Morning, Michelle. Today, let's start with two local stories about companies listed on the Catalyst board of the Singapore Exchange. Quite disturbing this morning. One headline concerns the management consulting company Axington. The other is about the electronics company Incredible and Watches.com. Now, in both cases, it appears that the businesses have breached exchange rules and potentially harmed minority investors. So let's start with Incredibles and Watches.com, Ryan. Singapore regulators looking into a series of joint investments and cross shareholdings for which it appears there is no clear rationale. Fill us in what is going on here. Yeah, Michelle, this is a story that gives me a headache. I'm trying to wrap my head around it, but in essence, it involves, like you mentioned, Incredible and Watches.com. So both companies have in common a common executive director, Christian Kwok, then Yao Hellison. Also, board members, Jacob Leong, Stanley Leong, and Zhou Jialin. So that's what um, they have in common. And what's happening here is the HX Redco is issuing a notice of compliance to both companies for joint dealings. So we've got a couple of things in play here. One is back in October 2021, Incredible entered into an agreement with Hellison to buy 42% of a company called Golden Ultra for over $14 million. And prior to this, Watches.com also pretty much did the same thing. And also in another dealing, we had Incredible signing an agreement with a third-party vendor to buy Gutmobi Group for $3.1 million. Watches.com also pretty much did the same thing. They bought an 85% stake for $15.2 million. And both companies paid using what's called promissory notes, which is pretty much a legal IOU. Okay, then here's the, I think the punchline here, or the kicker. Um, In December 2021, Incredible subscribed for $9 million of uh, perpetual convertible bonds by Watches.com. And Watches.com did the same thing the other direction, buying the same thing for $9 million of perpetual bonds and perpetual convertible bonds by Incredible. So it's left a few people scratching their heads and the HS record is asking them what's going on, what is the rationale. It's not very clear why you need to transact these deals because on the surface, it does not make a lot of sense. So that's where they are right now. Uh, They need to give a satisfactory answer to the regulators. So what happens next, Ryan? What is the impact of SGX Regco's move? All right. SGX Regco has directed that the audit committees of both companies appoint a suitable joint independent reviewer to perform a holistic review of all these corporate actions and fundraising exercises in the past year. And in the meantime, whatever they've signed that we've talked about, they cannot proceed. So this is going to be pending that review uh, and this will have to satisfy the address record. Let's look at the management consulting company Axington next. It's accused of potentially misleading the public about a share placement in July 2020. How so, Ryan? Okay, so here is an example of a potential breach where we have $750,000 outstanding from an entity called Kerrigan Medical Supplies. So this was part of a placement exercise. They were supposed to pay up. 
They did not, but Exeton went ahead to say the placement was completed. So this is where the breach comes in. Uh, despite no payment, they said the placement was completed. And this is back in August 2020. So a potential breach of listing rules because Exeton may have misled the public by saying the placement was successful when it was not even paid up yet. One of the things that is interesting, one of the things interesting about the story is that it concerns the Lowe cousins, Terence Nelson and Marjorie Lowe, two of whom you might recognize the names of. They were involved in another scandal-ridden company, the Belgraph Nova Group. In that instance, the company had published doctored photos of former U.S. President Barack Obama with the Lowe's. Remember that, Ryan? If you're an EPL fan... They were all over the news you were reading, right? They made an audacious bid to buy Newcastle. Of course, that did not happen. Um, so here is um, what transpired of that. They attracted a lot of scrutiny, so much so that you've got reporters, investors, people who just interested to find out what's going on, digging into all their dealings. And part of that were the... Um, reports and the photographs they took as publicity. Apparently, they had an event with um, in attendance, Barack Obama, but they did not cozy up to him as what the photos suggested. So they kind of doctored the photos to make themselves stand closer to him and to also look like they were part of a discussion with him. And they had press releases saying, no, they were working with the Obama Foundation. And a lot of tall claims that did not stand up to further scrutiny. And I think that was really the tip of the iceberg that just led to the spiral of what we have right now. The company is not in, function, not in um, operation anymore. The founders are missing. So you've got investors really um, having to uh, bear all the brunt of the current situation right now. Tangled Web, if we take a step back for a moment and look at Watchers.com and the Axington cases together... Some might argue that they don't paint a very good picture of the companies listed on the Catalyst board. Others might counter, though, that regulators are doing a good job to surface these issues. What's your take? Yeah, Michelle, I think with every cut, there's always going to be some bad apples. So I think if you take things into perspective, we will always get these bad apples. And I think it's important that we are actually talking about it. So it has come to light. So I think that is a healthy part of this um, process that we have the processes in place to weed out some of these bad apples. But I think the fundamental lesson here is for investors to do their due diligence. If it sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. And this is where you should be scrutinizing all the claims you are hearing, uh, especially if they sound too good to be true. Especially if they're tagged historic. If we take a step back for a moment, um, I want to zoom back out and look at broader markets. U.S. stocks fell as Treasury yields rose overnight. The Nasdaq dropped nearly three quarters of a percent. The S&P 500, the Dow, finished in the red as well. Yesterday on this show, we talked about plunging metal prices and how they had not suffered a crash this big since the Great Depression. Well, this morning, there are signs of a rally or a bounce up at least. Tin prices jumped nearly 10% on the London Metal Exchange. Nickel, copper and other metals finished higher as well. What appears to be behind the rally, Ryan? Okay, I think this is going to be something that will play out in the coming weeks, um, back and forth with prices. So for now, we've got sentiment on the uptick um, and this is coming through with some indicators, early indicators, that China's 
economic activity is showing improvement in June. So coming through via the study by Bloomberg. So according to them, an overall gauge of the outlook has returned to neutral after worsening for two straight months. So that points to maybe the worst being over and the recovery, even though being muted, is starting to get underway. So that's giving some confidence to investors around metal prices because of the demand outlook. We also yesterday talked about how Russia appears to be in default over its sovereign debt. It's now official. The ratings agency Moody's says Russia has not paid 100 million US dollars in interest on two bonds, one of which is priced in US dollars and the other in euro. Moody's has declared Russia to be in default. Moody says it has the money to pay the debt, but it can't access it because of Western sanctions. If we take a step back, what is the broader impact of Russia? Russia's default. How could this unwind? Yeah, so the default pretty much priced in because this was something people were expecting. They had no way to pay up because of all the sanctions. All their foreign reserves were pretty much shut down. So people were expecting this to happen. In terms of impact, short term, not likely to have anything to of consequence for Russia because they have not borrowed internationally for years um, because they make enough money exporting commodities like oil and natural gas. The thing is, in the longer term, this is something to keep track of because when Russia tries to rebuild its economy, this is where its credit status and its credit score, in that sense, is going to come into play. If businesses, if investors are confident enough to go back into Russia, And this is something that could put pressure on the economy in the long run if they can't get that back again, the trust in the economy. And this is something that could also add pressure on global markets because of the risk-averseness being raised. Um, Just seeing investors just a bit more cautious around investing in emerging markets perhaps or any other markets um, that could have further implications down the road. So you don't see this happening, having a similar impact as back in 1998 when the U.S. government had to step in because there were concerns that there was a large U.S. hedge fund and that collapse because of the Russian default could have shaken um, the global banking system. You don't see that happening here. So I think that was a very different picture back then because uh, this time around, the economies are in a different shape. And for Russia in this sense, it's because of all the sanctions that now are now playing out. And back then we had a very situ- very different situation um, where we had Russia um, just under default for, well, I guess, a few months. And we have now, right now, a very clear path of where things are going, um, where the Russian debt is going to be eventually resolved if bondholders stick to what they hold on right now. And in some sense, mm. we've seen this coming because investors mm-hmm. have already cashed out and only those who are still in Russia are maybe profiteering or hoping to profiteer from a settlement in the long run. So I think it's a very different scenario back versus in 1998. All right, time now for more corporate news and a game of up or down. Are you ready, Ryan? Let's go. Let's go with Nike. All right, Nike is an up for me. They have beat expectations on their earnings in their latest fourth quarter results. And this is showing an improvement in Europe offsetting lower sales in China. So shoppers still hungry for Nike products. Yeah, for me as well. Uh, let's look at Trip.com. No surprise here, Trip.com's earnings have been affected by China's COVID-0 policies. What are you seeing, Ryan? 
Alright, I am going with down. So Trip.com reporting a first quarter loss. And this is on the back of, I think, $0.09 cents per share earnings when they were supposed to produce earnings of 0.08 cents or $0.08 cents per share. So over the last few quarters, Trip.com has been under pressure. So something I would um, see it have to wait a few more quarters before things turn around. Down for me as well. Trip.com reporting a net loss of nearly 1 billion renminbi. That's about 150 million US dollars. Let's look at the snack maker, Weilong Delicious. I am going up for Weilong. So they are in the news for potentially reviving their $500 million Hong Kong IPO. So it could be one of the city's biggest listings this year. Yeah, up for me as well. I think it's an up both for Weilong and the Hong Kong Exchange because it is one of the biggest listings for the city this year. Snackmaker Weilong Delicious and their 500 million US dollar IPO in Hong Kong. All right, Ryan, mortgage rates here in Singapore. I think rates have only one way to go and that's up. It's just a matter of how fast. And here we have mortgage rates in Singapore expected to hit close to 3% by the end of the year. Unfortunately, yes, mortgage rates here are headed higher. You've probably woken up to those reports that fixed rate mortgages are headed towards 3%. So it would be an up for banks, but a down for new home buyers and mortgage holders. One more headline to chat about before we check in on the markets this morning. If you had to guess which, what percentage of workers, I should say, are now back in the office full time. I would expect at least 50% because of all the easing of restrictions and people just want to get out of the house. I think so. But we don't have the stats for that here in Singapore. But the head of IBM says only 20% of the company's US workers are coming into the office three days a week or more. It seems that after two years of remote work, a lot of people prefer to work without the commute. What do you make of this? Would you work from home if you could? Hmm, I think um, if I had to travel a long way, if I had to drive, maybe mm. I would be more inclined because it will help me to avoid paying for gas. So something mm. uh, that could also see uh, into consideration is the caretaking facilities or the caretaking arrangements where people are just having a, half, a tougher time after the pandemic finding ways to take care of their kids at home. So they could be more restricted, restricted in a sense of being able to head back to the office because after two years of having work from home arrangements, it might be a struggle to transition back again. Good point. You know, I've been talking to people who've been meeting in the metaverse already without those headsets. Wow. Yeah. Meeting in the metaverse, heading off to sort of, uh, you know, the uh, water cooler corners to have chats, uh, replicas, twins of the workplace. So things are, are shaping up in interesting ways post-COVID. The Straits Times Index rallied yesterday in line with other Asian markets, though the gains were not as big as in Tokyo and Hong Kong. The SDI finished up 0.8% at 31.37. How's the blue chip trading this morning, Ryan? And is it adding on to yesterday's gains? And Michelle, I'm afraid it's not adding it. In fact, it's giving back to those gains. You've got it down 0.3% at 3,129. And looking at the SDI constituents, mainly red right now. Uh, at the bottom, Fraser's LNC Trust down 1.5%. So it is giving back gains from yesterday when it advanced 1.5%. And that was on the back of news over the weekend that it had bought a freehold logistics development in the UK for £101 million. So that's giving back gains. Um, at the 
bottom of the table as well as Singtel down 1.1% to 2.57. That was also among the top gainers yesterday and this was on the back of news or at least speculation that Singtel would be considering a listing for Optus, its Australian unit. But it has since come out to say it has no plans to do so, so it has pretty much quashed that report. And now we are seeing Singtel reverse direction uh, in the early opening minutes. And at the top of the table, mm-hmm. Capitaland Integrated Commercial Trust is up 0.9%, followed by Taibev, ComfortDelGro, Yangjijang Shipbuilding and Maple Tree Commercial Trust. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.